0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you. Lord. Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Sundays following Easter have a pretty clear rationale for being the way they are. Just to remind us, on Second Easter. Every year, we hear the story of Doubting Thomas. Then, the third Sunday of Easter, we either hear about the Emmaus experience or another resurrection appearance of Jesus within the context of a common meal. And then last Sunday, the fourth Sunday of Easter, we always hear part of Jesus' good shepherd um, discourse. The idea is to answer an implied question, and that is, how are we who have not seen the Lord Jesus Christ the way those first disciples did, how are we to have such strength of conviction, such power in our proclamation, such joy in our hearts as those first disciples had, to know the Lord that well and with that much conviction. How are we to do that? And the answers so far are, we have the eyewitness account in scriptures We have the sacraments that the Lord himself left us, and we have the pastoral ministry of the church that incarnates the shepherding love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now on this fifth Sunday of Easter, and really from here on into Pentecost, although it's not quite as obvious There is a common theme. And it has to do with the experience of the living Lord within the life of the church as a whole. Because it is the church that proclaims and guards that message of scripture. It is the church that administers the sacraments in Christ's name. It is the ministry Of the church as I said that incarnates that love of God as the shepherd of the sheep we being the sheep of course and now and on to Pentecost is an exploration of the way in which the Living Lord becomes palpably present and known not only to the believers but to the world beyond these four walls. Early in my ministry, I got a little note from a parishioner. And she said, what is the biblical warrant for going to church? Why do we need to come to church? Oh, boy. (laughs) I was young, starting my ministry. It was a small parish in a rural setting. I had plenty of time. I wrote a bit of a tome. And I went all the way back to the Old Testament and I pointed out the corporate nature of worship in the life of Israel. And then I tracked that through the New Testament, particularly the book of Acts and how it was the community coming together and so on and so forth. I gave just some logical explanation of why it's important to be in church. And along the way, I mentioned this passage from Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25, which says, "...and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another." And so the more as you see the day approaching. Well, I sent this off to her, and some time later she wrote back and thanked me very much for all of my efforts, but said that uh, really it was that passage from Hebrews that she was thinking about. She couldn't quite quote it, but she knew there was something there like that, and she just couldn't find it in the Bible, and that's why she had asked me the question. Two verses would have answered her question. (laughs) Oh, well, I was better for it. And the reason is because some people may be content with a simple command, do this, don't do that. But there's something in me, and I think in a lot of us, that want to know why. Why would the Lord ordain it this way rather than that? Why would he say yes to this and no to that? And in that sense, today's passage, and specifically one part of today's passage from the first epistle of John, provides a very strong why to me. And that is the passage that says, if you say you love God, But hate your brother or sister. You are a liar. Boy, you just can't get much more blunt than that. But it's not without context. I mean, John does go on to say, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. So John is saying that the love of our brothers and sisters in Christ has something important to do with what the love of God is all about. And it's important to know that the love we're talking about here is not sentimentalism. It's not romance, it's not emotion the love that we're talking about is a love that has been revealed in our Lord Jesus Christ again, John God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him and this is love, not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, that love of God that we see in Jesus Christ has a specific content. And it has to do with sin and evil and being able to overcome the curse of this world. Every once in a while, we run into an individual that says something to the effect of, why do I need to come to church? I can worship God perfectly well on the golf course. Well, at one level, perhaps there is some truth in that. I mean, in the first chapter of Romans, Paul makes clear that what can be known about God, his divine attributes, his power, His creative ability is clearly seen in the nature that God has created. The problem is, not only does nature reveal the glory and the splendor, but it also reveals the curse and the evil that we find ourselves in, under, in this world. That is what got Charles Darwin, for instance. When he was doing his studies, he did not see the glory and the splendor of God's creation. What he saw was the inherent violence of the created order. And it put him into a real spiritual crisis that he wrestled with for some years after that because it was clear to him that the way of the world was eat and be eaten from the lowliest phytoplankton at the beginning of the food uh, chain, all the way up to the largest predator. One thing eats something smaller and is eaten by something bigger or more capable or more powerful or whatever. And even top predators like human beings, are not exempt from this. From time to time, we find many people succumbing to earthquake, to fire, to plague, including COVID, crime. And if somehow we escape all of that through the course of our lives, then there is the decay of our declining years. There's a lot in nature that would challenge us to say, where is the God of love in all of this? You see, if we're gonna talk about the love of God, we need to get beyond sentimentalism and romance and emotion. We need a love that is able to stand in the face of evil and give an answer. And that is why we say that that answer is found clearly and perfectly only in Jesus Christ. Hence our comment for today, grant us so perfectly to know your son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth and the life that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal life. The world needs to not just hear, but needs to see the power of this love that is the love of God, that is able to heal that which is broken to bring back together that which has been torn asunder, to provide real and certain hope of new life beyond the final word of this world, which is death. We need that strong kind of love. And that is only found within the life of the believing community as we live that out among ourselves. Our proclamation has no integrity whatsoever. If people cannot see that there is a place where people love because God first loved us. If I am going to accept God's forgiveness in my life recognizing the sin in my life, then I need to be patient and forgiving of the sin of others, especially if they're perpetrated against me. Now that's hard. It's hard to do. It's impossible to do without the power of God at work within us to be able to help us to offer that kind of forgiveness to one another. But you see, it's what keeps us honest in our relationship with God. Because that's the way God showed his love for us in dying for us while we were yet sinners. The least we can do is have the patience, the forbearance, and the willingness to forgive one another along the way. There's a rather uh, famous comic strip uh, by Charles Schultz, uh, the Peanuts comic strip we all know and, and probably love, most people have over the years. He was a committed Christian and he found all kinds of ways to get the point across from time to time but this one that I'm thinking about Lucy is out in the middle of a large field, open field and she throws her arms open and she hollers at the top of her lungs I love mankind and then the next scene she's turned around walking back to her house and saying it's people I can't stand (laughs) You know, we laugh because at some level, we recognize the, the truth of that. It's easy to love in the abstract. It's easy to say, I love God, but that love has important content. And that content is a love that is strong enough to stand in the face of everything that would tear us apart and prevail and offer new life and new hope. Our gospel lesson this morning is a gentler way of saying the same thing and more poetic too, which is why I think that it's important to hear what Jesus says in the context of our epistle lesson that I've been focusing and concentrating on today. But if you abide in me, I will abide in you and you will bear much fruit not only we as believers but the world beyond desperately needs to not only hear the proclamation of God's love but to see it in action to see it in the life of a community that is willing to truly love as God loved us. And to be willing to live out the nitty gritty of those interpersonal relationships where we kind of knock up against one another every once in a while, but then find a way to get reconciled and to start anew and to start afresh and to walk in the way of Christ. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. This is how we know the Lord as the living one, with confidence, with power in proclamation and with the joy that we see in those first disciples in the scriptures that we read each week. Let us endeavor to be that body that shows forth that living Lord. Amen.